Good evening, everybody, present and virtual. Uh, my name is Travis Herod, and it looks like it's my privilege to chair this meeting tonight in the absence of our normal chair. Um, why don't we, uh, is this a meeting where we need to call roll or anything like that? Or can we just get going? Um, I think I can call roll roll. Why don't you go ahead? Yeah. Um, Sharon Ashworth is absent. Andy Barnett, absent. Uh, Sharon Ellen Becker, present. Travis Herrick, present. Super Cohart, present. And John Malbandian is absent. Henry Rasmussen, present. Daniel Smith, present. And then if you don't mind, I'll just a quick statement just about the Zoom meeting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, for those that are attending the meeting via Zoom, please make sure you're muted and your video is off when you're not actually participating in the meeting. Um, if you have trouble, you can send a chat, and those go directly to me. Um, the city does reserve the right to mute people or turn individual videos off to minimize distractions during the meeting. Being, it's being recorded and broadcast on the city. Super. Um, so everybody received an agenda for tonight's meeting, and why don't we go straight to item A on there, which is review and approval of the meeting minutes from our January 18th meeting. This would be the time for you to, there is additions, deletions, corrections, anything? I move that we approve the minutes. All right, it's been moved. Is there a second? A second. All right, so it's been moved and, and seconded to approve the meeting minutes as submitted by staff. I'd ask staff, do you want to call the roll or accept them by acclamation? How do you want to do it? Um, it, it, it's you can say all in favor. I am pleased. All right. So we have a motion to accept the the meeting minutes for January eighteenth as uh, submitted by staff. Uh, all in favor, please signify by saying aye. Aye. All right. All opposed, same sign. All right. It looks like staff is one for one so far. That's awesome. <laughs> So moving on to um, agenda items B, I would ask if we could move sub uh, four to first position. And the reason I do that is I think there's some actionable information in those survey results that I would like to be at the fore of um, the commission's mind as we move forward tonight and, and then just work the agenda in its uh in its you know in its stated order otherwise does anybody have any issues with moving number four to the top of our sort of to-do list tonight on the agenda i do not all right then we'll just go ahead and do it with no opposition so this is I, so sherry sent out the results um of the survey that we did of our current board committee members and chairs and then also staff and i hope you had a chance to review those i thought there was some really interesting stuff there and a couple things i even took notes 
I can find them. A couple things for me personally sort of jumped off the page. Here we go. So I just wanted to sort of get discussion or get thinking going on these. One of them was, I think if you went and told it up, probably at least 80% of the respondents, and I'm not talking about uh, staff, 80% of our citizen board committee members, they let us know that they were essentially, you know, drafted in or um, asked to be on a board by a city commissioner or the mayor. And by this, I'm not trying to insinuate that, you know, we have some sort of political thing going on here or whatever, trying to stuff these boards with, you know, with picked people. No, I, I from my own experience, what it is, is we have city commissioners apparently have a full-time job going out and beating bushes to get people to serve on our boards, commissions, committees. And I mean, it's just over and over and over, you see that in these responses to us. And why do I think that's important? Well, one, because clearly, I mean, but for the work of city commissioners and the mayor going out and talking to people and, you know, sort of selling uh, community involvement and getting people excited enough to get involved, I kind of wonder, you know, do we have enough people out there to staff all these committees and everything that we've been tasked with taking a look at? And so that sort of flows to another thing. It sort of flows to another issue that I saw in the survey, which is that a couple of people in the survey, they talked about, you know, the reason that we have this quantity of committees, commissions, boards is, is purposeful because this is a caring community and people want to be involved on these. But at the same time, and then somebody else said that there's a passion for civic engagement. I think that was a quote in one of the surveys. And those comments are well taken, but yet I circle back to this thought that, but for you know, clearly city commissioners going out there and talking to people and convincing people, selling people, signing people up, I'm really starting to wonder you know, just how many people are beating down doors to be on these committees. And so I think to, to me and other people can look at this differently, I think it kind of validates what we're doing here, which is we've created this, this, this panoply of boards, commissions, and whatnot. But, you know, maybe there's actually not that many in the people in the, in the community without a lot of engagement by our city commissioners that actually want to show up and be on these things. And another sort of sub part to that thought is, you know, there's only, there's only so many people out there that want to be involved, then, you know, put them um, where they can do the most good. You know, don't dilute the pool of people that want to get involved and serve on these committees. And so I think there's a rationale there for consolidation, for thinning out um, this, you know, like I said, this panoply of committees and whatnot. The other thing that stood out to me, and then I'll wrap up and, and throw it to the commission, was there was quite a tonal shift when you looked at the just citizen responses and the staff responses. I think it was near unanimous in the citizen response responses, you know, praise for city staff. 
And that's been my experience on every board or commission that I've served on is staff is five-star, you know, professional, patient, knowledgeable, the whole nine. And then you look at staff responses and they're using words like these boards, committees, whatnot, actually slow progress towards implementation of the strategic plan. One staff member described not looking forward to these meetings, described the meetings as draining and all other forms of dismay, you know, expressed either sort of obliquely or just outright. This, these people, you know, I don't know what they're doing. They don't understand their mandate. They're fighting with each other. I mean, we saw the whole spectrum. So once again, you know, is it our mandate to address that? No, but I think it does. Our mandate is, or part of our mandate is, you know, look at to look at the the large total of commissions and whatnot we have right now, with the idea that, you know, we are we only have so many resources to throw at these at these committees, right? And, you know, we have to allocate scarce resources um, in a judicious way. And I think the staff responses to this really, really puts the exclamation point on that, where they clearly feel that they clearly feel some dismay. I mean, I, I'll just leave it there. They have some issues with what's going on in these committees and boards and whatnot. Um, and perhaps once again, our efforts here to identify where we could consolidate or cut or something, whatever we choose to do or whatever staff and the city commission chooses to do with our recommendations, perhaps that is another piece of information that I think, I mean, validates the whole reason that we're here. Those are just some things that I lifted out of this. And I would just circle back and say, every commission board that I've ever served on with the city, the staff has been top notch. And so it really did strike me that they just seemed like they were not, not, not having the best time, um, you know, serving as liaison with these boards. So I'll throw it to you guys. I found it kind of alarm, not alarming, it bothered me that some of the staff comments where they felt like people were just on the board to further their own agenda. Um, so I, I, that kind of bothered me I, that people would do that. I, you know, they weren't there to serve the community. They had an ulterior motive of some kind to promote. Well, I'll give you a firsthand example of that on the sustainability advisory board. The person that was the president last year, and I'm glad she resigned, told everybody that they should all be activists and that we should be activists setting our own agenda and trying to force the city to do things. That was the attitude. And I think there are still people on the board who feel that they should be activists as opposed to advisors. We're an advisory board. But I think that we become kind of trapped into becoming activists because we don't get any direction from the city commission or the city manager. 
about what our mission should be. The, the sustainability advisory board that I sit on was created several years ago. And I, you could go back to that ordinance and see what was talked about when it was created, but now we don't get direction. We, we don't have a mission. So when we had a strategic planning session in December, I made everybody focus on the strategic city strategic plan and try to figure out how we can address those outcomes and support those and support the key progress indicators um, in there, the KPIs and tried to focus us on that because that's the very little direction we have gotten was from you, Craig, when you addressed us and we asked, we asked, what should we be focusing on? You said the strategic plan. That's the most direction I've seen <laughs> coming from the city is the, is the direction that you provided to us, but we don't get anything from the city commission. And so we meet every month. What are we going to do? Well, we're just creative. <laughs> An agenda, someone's personal agenda bubbles up is what is what what happens. Yeah. And the, the I will just say the previous chair um didn't want to have a strategic planning session, didn't want to work with the other board members to kind of map out what we should be focused on and had very personal their own agenda pushing that forward. So I was not surprised to see that comment from the staff having seen it firsthand last year. I'm just looking at it from the street, you know, from from the person that just goes to Dylan's. I mean, you know, that's where I, that's my, my eyes. And so that was an eye opener to me is what, what I mean. All right. Anybody else? I mean, for me, I feel like some of the, uh, some of the staff comments are definitely, I feel like a little bit critical, but I feel like you can interpret that as them being critical of sort of the, the process. And I feel like, if all the boards and commissions were a little bit had had more structure, there's more training, more um, a little bit more outlined, and individuals knew going into positions a little bit more about what they're going to do. I feel like the staff might not feel as exasperated if we can cultivate things to be a little more structured board to board. Um, but then I'll, the other thing I, I I really wanted to say was just talking about what you, what you said about the the membership for all of these bodies coming mostly from the mayor knocking down doors. I do think that that is true to a certain extent. I definitely don't feel like in my time as the chair of the Cultural Arts Commission, we've ever had a huge overabundance of applicants. I feel like for me, and we've talked about that uh, the Cultural Arts Commission, I feel like it's partially because we sort of all, a lot of the folks who are currently engaged sort of run in similar circles. And I feel like there is, oh, there are wide swaths of the population in Lawrence who aren't really aware that that they could potentially serve on these boards and commissions. Um, and if they are aware of it, they might presume that they would not be eligible. Um, I definitely talk to, to folks pretty frequently who I know who are engaged in the arts in Lawrence who don't think of themselves as being, you know, cultural arts commission sitting around a table, having a, a meeting, an agenda, you know, type people uh, and when I when I really like encourage them and say like yes like we we do want your perspective and um I feel like that can bring some more people into the process that just don't think of themselves as being being applicable. And I, I think that if we did make it really, really clear to a wider uh, population that 
that they could be serving in these volunteer leadership positions. I think that some of the some of the recruitment difficulty would decrease. At least that's one thing that for us we're we're, we're eager to try and break down because I think there's a lot of people who would be great on the Coach Arts Commission who have just already discounted themselves. Um, and, and I want to try and reach those people who aren't being reached or don't see themselves see themselves as being outside sort of like the the main German arts community and, and, and bring them inside. Um, so to me, I feel like on that note, I feel like there's a lot of room for outreach and educating people, empowering people so that they feel like they can they can sit around a table and and read an agenda, even if it's not necessarily normally their cup of tea. That that those positions are open to them. Yeah. Anyone else? I'd say of the current members, nothing really jumped out at me that I wasn't kind of expecting from uh, committee members. Um, I, I think we all kind of had a pretty good idea of what what that was going to end up and the direction we were going. I think staffing. Well, I. I surprising at the same time. I don't know it's surprising, but I would wonder um, how much of that is just the staffing struggles as a whole of the city and, and being staff being stretched as thin as they have to be. And it's not just city of Lawrence, it's, you know, all employers at this point in time and how much of that of being asked to do more and more and more that does impact their enjoyment or their, maybe not enjoyment, is tolerance of the committees. It's been hard um, and transition is always hard. And we've been in transition for a while of trying to get things the way that we want to go. So managing through transition when you're still kind of building the plane as you're flying it makes it difficult. And I'd, I'd like to hear from Craig on just kind of what his his pulse is on staffing of the way he read that uh, the staffing um, questionnaire. So just take away from it. Uh, it, it, it. I thought the candor was some Surprising and useful. Um, it, it didn't surprise me necessarily because I have my interactions with them and I, we hear it week to week or day to day. And, and also um, uh, a few months ago when we were contemplating how to start all this, it did convene all of the uh, liaisons at the time just to gain some basic understanding and get some input that helped, helped to start structure what, what we've undertaken now. Um, so those weren't surprising. Um, I, I think we have some very passionate employees that really are in it to do real, real good for the community. That's generally what we see. And they want to see these um, community investments, community member investments be useful in mo moving forward someplace too. So um, I, I think that disconnect causes a lot of this and, um, and it's why we're all here really. Um, so I think the, the employees that are there, some of them play a role of I'm just supposed to take notes and produce minutes and that's all I'm going to do. And there's others that are, you know, full participants and experts providing an expertise and um, in information. And I just I think that's why we're here is everybody is a little bit frustrated. Some are a lot frustrated because we know this could be a much more meaningful engagement mutually. Um, so I, I do think that wasn't surprising. When we got there. I was surprised at how honest and candid they were. Right. Yeah. Cause I feel like, you know, I'm always trying to say, what's the right, what's the right answer. You know, we're trying to solve the right or ask the right question of what we're trying to solve and we can create the boards as effective and, and get the right people on it. But that transition of information from board to commission or commission to board, if that's not working, 
then it kind of doesn't matter what's happening on the other end of that of that bridge. That bridge has to be put in a way, fixed the way that is effective and efficient, and it works for the liaison to to want to be doing this and communicate what ne is necessary to communicate in both directions. And it's interesting, interesting to me, you mentioned that some of the staff liaisons really act in a really a, sort of a, you know, a guiding role. They're, they're experts and they really do, do a lot to, um, you know, you know, educate and, and help guide the, the body of the part of. And the Cultural Arts Commission, we kind of had that sort of experience when Porter was our liaison. And then, you know, he, he got his, his old work life jumbled around. And, and we, we have, you know, now, now we're with Parks and Rec and we have a, a new staff liaison new to the city and also new to the, the board. And um, it's really shifted how we, we function. Um, you know, we are much more now like uh, commissioner led. Um, we don't necessarily have order to always lean on as much because he was just such an expert and had been doing the Cultural Arts Commission stuff for so long. Um, and to me, I, I don't know if I could go ahead, I would go ahead and say which one of those is better, but I do think it's interesting that it is pretty much just reform as far as who exactly is on, is how much experience they might have. Um, and so I feel like for, for everything, I feel like setting a standard of expectations makes sense so that each body has the same the same staff liaison relationship um, and it's really clear where the commissioner or the, the board member uh, responsibilities end and the staff liaisons begin because I feel like more than anything that's a question that comes up with the Cultural Arts Commission meetings where we as a group you know even with staff input decide yes this is the course of action we want to take and then it's there's there's always at least somebody who says so, so when it comes to at least this part of the process, is that something we do or or, or staff does? Right. And that that line in the sand is is always something we're, we're trying to trying to establish. Yeah. Another observation from this, and, and there was not all the liaisons participated. So, but um, again, anecdotally, you're hearing from them. I think some of the statutory boards. So. What I experienced was, um, Sharon's not here, but the Planning Commission, which is a statutory, we know what we're in, in business to do. It's very clear from a statutory, we're, this is what we're supposed to do. And staff has a very clear, very traditional and well-used role of we prepare staff reports and give you information. We digest the code application for all of these things. We give you analyses, very detailed analyses, and we provide that to you. And then you have a job to do with that work. It's very clear. The relationship traditionally and currently between those volunteer board and commission members and staff is very positive both directions. Um, so I, I hold that one up as they do a lot of business together. They're one of the most active boards. Sometimes they have to carry it over to the next night on their agendas because they're doing so much. And it's, it's very voluminous, the amount of investment of staff time to prepare them for their work. And then they have to do just a lot. So, and yet they're both speaking highly of each other. Right. I think that's an ideal circumstance. So there's something to study in that. And there's others pr that probably behave that way. And I think it's interesting to hear your experiences to say here, you had kind of the two different kinds of staff liaison relationships and compare and contrast those and what was good about them. Um, staff should not be trying to push something. We're not going to ask, why would we have you assembled if it was something we already knew? 
and that's true for the city commission too. And some people don't quite get that. Why the city manager, it's not that I don't care. It's that I'm, your role is to do, to make a decision that's right for our community, not a right, a factual, scientifically correct decision. So I just say that that's where the, the liaison or the staff thing is. That's not our space. You know, we're recipients and, and consumers of services in our community, but our job is to support you and then to hear what your perspectives are because that's unique. But I do also understand why some staff might feel like the advisory board uh, process kind of slows things down. And this is another thing that comes up at Gold Shores Commission all the time is that we will spend, you know, 15, 20 minutes talking about something before finally voting on it. And for us, and occasionally members will, will say this, like, oh, I'm so glad that's, that's done. The reality is that when we're part of the process is done, it's usually actually somewhere in the middle of the process. And then staff have a lot of paperwork and stuff and other, and then it goes to the, to the commission before it's actually done. So I feel like for us, you know, we are at our, our, our role is actually kind of in the middle of the process. Uh, so whereas for us, it feels like we're checking things off the list. It, that's not really maybe how staff think about it because again, we are just the midpoint of the process. So I could see how they feel like, you know, spending a whole bunch of time discussing something in the middle is, is slowing it down. They might be eager to see it go all the way to, to the city commission and, and actually in final action. Happen. Yeah. Yeah. And just to state the obvious, you know, anybody that has experience with the planning commission and, and read the surveys, you see that the planning commission occupies this nexus or they share space with a lot of other boards and committees, right? I even wrote down here all the ones that, you know, whether it be board of zoning appeals, historical resource commission, affordable housing advisory board, the MPO, planning sitting there at the nexus. And the, so in a really great world, yeah. <laughs> What would well, look? You could you could eliminate you know four or five other boards right there. Just shove them all in a planning. Well, but the thing is, you're going to be shoveling a hundred pounds of flour in a ten pound sack. So there's just I don't think there's any bandwidth left for the planning commission. Um, but wouldn't it be great if 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 there was? So that route. It's not here. We could just load her up. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So planning is already a pretty high intensity commission uh, or commitment from its from its citizen volunteers. So I think you're going to get relief by dumping more stuff on them. So kudos to, the, to all the work they're doing. Um, do we break away from item four and return to our agenda as originally? step forth and start working through it or I, some more to talk about with our survey results i do have to mention that a couple of my, my members did did specifically ask me to relay that they had trouble with the actual questionnaire survey process um i would be one of those as well oh yeah, yeah. so i i think that i mean i don't know it's one of those things if if people had technical difficulties and stuff at a relatively random rate I don't know if that's going to change like the sample we got. I mean, we, there's like 47 responses or something, which is a pretty decent number. But um, some folks were disappointed; they didn't feel like they actually had an opportunity to submit because when they tried to do it, it like locked, yeah. locked them out and got. That's what that's what happened to me. Already, it's such a 
It's such a bunker. Yeah. It, yeah. I think we, we need to have an internal conversation about that platform. It's not the best option out there anymore. So something that was inherited a long time ago. Yeah, but so that's it. That's aware of that issue, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The term was clunker. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, go ahead. I would say the only thing I would say on four is just from uh, we went through this process intentionally. So what is it? What is the takeaways from these questionnaires that help to drive our decisions moving forward? It's what I would want to make sure that we, whether we whether we're doing that explicitly or implicitly in our decision making going forward, like that we did that for a purpose. And I know for me, staff the staff questionnaires really is driving home like the importance of our item four and our and the resolution of how are we kind of streamlining the process of getting board members the agendas and making sure that that process is done the right way in an effective and consistent way um, going forward not just even where do all these boards fit but that's an important piece that we really need to focus on and, and commit a significant amount of time to ensuring we're doing that right and i think that you may have seen so that coming from a couple different directions in our surveys where there was some talk both on the staff side and the volunteer side about how you know meeting more often meeting in person meeting more often might be desirable meeting in person might be desirable more training might be desirable we saw both sides talking about that and then we also could look you know at the example of planning where the in planning is planning commission occupies an interesting spot because it really is a high intensity commitment and so the people there hopefully they get what they're signing up for you know they're signing up for day-long trainings they're signing up for you know meetings to go to midnight and then wrap into the next day but there is a some substantial amount of training and interaction that goes on with staff there that though it doesn't have to be done at the same level it might be beneficial for everybody involved you know if we looked at that and said you know maybe we could do that for some of these other committees and whatever so i'm not trying to make more work for staff but maybe by doing this everybody has more buy-in and feels more effective in what they're trying to achieve at the end of the day um the other of course thing that we're looking at is you know what one of the staff members i think you know they didn't just complain they actually pointed towards a possible resolution, which is they just flat out said it could be that ad hoc committees and task forces might very ably, just like this one, might very ably fill the space that this large plethora of committees and boards and everything occupies right now, where it's like, okay, we have, I mean, you spoke to it just a minute ago, we had a mandate at one time, then we achieved that mandate, but we just kept going. You know, it's just like that the wheel, the rudder just, you know, sort of turning here and there. It's like, okay, well, then we have an issue. We, you know, populate this task force with people we need. We give them a mandate. We give them a timeline. And yeah. resolved. Um, so I appreciated that, you know, somebody volunteered that. And you might already have had that in the back of your head already, Craig. Oh, it is uh, <laughs> number two on our yeah. agenda would be commitment give some information on what some other cities have done related to that. I'd like to talk about number two, but on number four, and, and part of it will, I'm looking forward to our discussion on number two. But I wanted to 
uh, say two things. One is I looked at on the uh, responses from the the committee members and chairs. I purposely looked at how long they had been serving in their answers. And I would like to know if it's possible to find out how many years everybody has served on all of these committees we're looking at and maybe maybe have an average. Um, I look at the, the Sustainability Advisor Board where I currently serve. There are three people out of 10 board members. There are three people that have served multiple years. They've been on there multiple years. After them, I am the next longest serving person at 18 months, about 18 months. And everybody else is new. And we have two new vacancies because we've had more people quit again. And it seems to me like we've had a lot of turnover. And I'm curious if that's just this particular board or if there's some information to be gleaned elsewhere in other boards. My experience in serving on Board of Zoning Appeals and the Planning Commission and the Historic Resources Commission, my historical experience with those serving on those boards and commissions is that there was greater longevity. People stayed on those boards for two, four years, you know, maybe back-to-back -back appointments of three-year terms. So there was a lot more continuity and, um, and commitment to it long-term. And I haven't seen that on the SAB that I've been a part of. So that, that's one thing I wanted to ask about. The second thing is, and maybe it'll come out in our discussion of the types of boards and commissions, but on those three that I previously served on, the HRC, the Planning Commission, and the BZA, those agendas create themselves. They're created because you have applicants coming to the city with development plans, or you have somebody who's got a plan in development and now they want a variance, so they're going to the BZA. Not so for the Sustainability Advisory Board. Our bylaws say that the chair creates the agenda. I, I get to create the agenda every month. Uh, it's not a naturally occurring agenda. We get, I get input from the staff liaison. Hey, we'd like to make a, I'd like in my staff presentation, my staff report to include this, but it's, it's a completely different flavor. And I wonder how the other boards and commissions fall out with that. Are they creating their own agenda every month or is it more driven for them? And and that might be something we discuss in, in the item number two. Right. But those those things I think are important to think about. And I, is it possible to get a, I, how difficult would it be to get information on how long people have served? Can we take a look at that? I'd just be curious. Is there for as long as we've had the board in the last five to 10 years, it, that might be. I would just look at the people that are serving right now. Right now, Maybe. how long they've been on. Okay. Yeah. Maybe the way to do it is, would you be okay with, you know, here's the board or commission we're talking about and just said, we just have average length of service and it says 18 months. 
27 months or something like that. I mean, would that give you the answer that you're looking for or, or do you want something else? Well, I mean, you could have one person skew that who's been on for a really long time. I, I don't know. I don't know. And it can swing fast. Like on BZA, just if you were to work us back six months ago, we just had three people leave that probably had for sure, what, 12 to 16 years of experience between those three people. On that one board? On that one board, you know, their terms ran out and now we have a very young board and literally, you know, overnight. Um, so that's going to be skewed the other way. Yeah, exactly. So we went from a very, very veteran board with tons of institutional knowledge to a younger board, you know, overnight, but that's fine. That's the way of things, right? Um, and it just, we keep chugging along. Well, I think you could, I mean, you don't have to link it to a person, but in order to get that average, you're still going to have to look at this person's been on three years, this person right. two months, this person one month, right? You could just list all those out and then give us the average. Yeah. Okay. If it's okay with you guys. I, I would ask a question. What, what is our intention with that data? How does that drive our decisions moving forward? Because if we have a situation like where you're talking about, we just lost a ton of experience in each of the BZA. And now that's a young board. What is what is that telling us that that has so a really fresh board? In my, current. you know, very jaded worldview, given, you know, profession I come out of whatever, is, you know, once again, the BZA, it's, it's one of those statutory boards. So it's not going anywhere. You know, everybody could be on there for one month and you're still going to have a BZA. But, you know, some other boards, if I looked at it and I see... Just personally, and I could be, this is why people share information, but if I look at a sheet of paper and I see a board or a commission sitting there and I see the average you know, length of service on there right now is, you know, eight months, 14 months or something like that, when I know that their appointments are for two and three years, it makes me start to think that, well, do we have a problem here? You know, is there a lack of commitment to this particular endeavor? Um, it, it makes me ask questions. And I think, but those three people could have all come on at the same time. They could. So it doesn't necessarily tell a story one way or the other that there's a lack of commitment. It's just that this by chance at this moment in this time, three people just all exited at the same time. Yeah. And their terms could have been done. Like there's so much data that can go or life happened. That, you know, it's just they that, moved. You that know, could that job. skew that what that data is telling us on the back end. I, I guess what I would maybe look at is does it suggest that um, if if you've got a lot of short term stuff, maybe maybe it'd be more appropriate that the particular board or commission be ad hoc. On an as-needed basis, yeah, as opposed to a long-term. I wouldn't disagree. You're in and you're out. I don't think you get that by looking at an average because of just the facts that three people could exit. It's, it's a piece of data, is what it is. It's I would not almost the, the dispositive. Piece. I would almost be more of what's the average length of a term of someone of people on this board? Like, do people finish? Their term, do people renew their term? You know, that's the yeah, that starts that getting quite a bit more granular for staff yeah, to and that work would be back very through and figure out get how many end. people are finishing their terms and renewing and stuff like that. Yeah, right. that's but, interesting. But to to get us to asking staff to do something like this and what are we going to use this for? I feel like if we just get the data as it currently stands, 
to me, it comes back with, well, we need more information to determine whether that that is truly what's happening to that meaningful or not. It needs to be meaningful or it's not a good use of their time. Right. Let's bring ourselves back to center. So I think that we've had good discussion about number four, and I think now we can do some of our other tasks tonight with that. I mean, that real world information from volunteers and from staff in our heads, which I think I thought would be desirable. Why don't we circle back and we start with item number one under subsection under section B, and we have discussed results of visioning session. So, what are we doing there? Somebody want to give me a Could I ask point me in the right direction? Are we asking staff to go through that process of, of pulling that data? Oh, I think, they, I think they've already agreed. <laughs> well, but which, which one talks about lots of different models? I, I don't, you know, is it worth 12 hours of Sherry's time to pull this data um, to represent it? I mean, and so I, I guess I always always guess people don't know it, but city clerks are awesome at math too. <laughs> so, but um, I, this is a project that I asked for when I first got here because I knew that I had understood that there was a short tenure of city commissioners. There's a very high turnover from my experience, and so she did that and looked back historically. And in fact, it was 4.8 years. It's gotten worse, but uh, or less, whether that's good or bad. Uh, but. So I asked the same question, and, but I didn't, you know, it is a project to go back and look. Well, Sherry, I would ask you, I mean, cause I feel like you're tip of the spear here. Cause not, number one, you would be compiling it, but two, I think you're actually looking at it day to day. You're seeing the appointments come and go. Sure. You're seeing all that. I mean, what, what, what data do you think is most useful and most actionable for us given what we're here to do? I'd like to hear Craig answer that too. Okay. Well, I can tell you what I what I think would be the you know this I would say simplest but easiest for us to gather. We I mean the reappointments come through my office. We handle those. We do have those entered up to a certain point, and um, we have a system called iCompass, so we can see current terms and how long those folks have served. Some people serve on multiple boards after they quit one and they move to another. So I don't know if that type of information that might be a little more difficult to find, but we can certainly look at um, some turnover rate, like how often are people being reappointed, meaning, yes, I want a second term versus I don't, I don't finish my term or I'm not interested in being reappointed. I think we could gather that um, for current members or the last sort of, you know, a, a shorter range. But if we go very far back, it gets a little more complicated because our data is in different places. Right. With that, get us going down the road so, well here do you do you think this would be useful information to have too I, I think anecdotally we already know there are some really rapid turnover we and had another board commission cancel another meeting for lack of quorum last time important work that they need to do but uh, canceled for a lack of quorum and there has been rapid turnover of that one there are other boards and commissions that have had rapid turnover for a variety of reasons i'm sure so i you know i don't we can prove that with data, but I know anecdotally there are some boards and commissions that are that way. Now, it could be interesting to see which one. So I believe that, as you state, the, the statutory boards are quite stable. Yeah. Now, my 
hypothesis they're quite stable because they get a regular feeding of agenda items that are giving them real business to do that is necessary and transactional and they do that they do that work it's very clear i know what i'm doing and i get a regular diet of decisions others might not might have rabbit turnover for a variety of reasons. Maybe it's lack of direction and maybe it's, and I think that's what the survey is kind of trying to get to is why do people feel engaged or not? Um, that's a qualitative determination, but I can already tell you that there are some boards and commissions that have a lot of turnover. And we can probably tell you which ones those are. And, and I can say anecdotally, but based on <laughs> doing this every day, that it really is those boards that don't have a clear defined right. role. They're, they're creating their own agenda. They don't have direction. They're not statutory or they don't have a specific. Those are the ones that tend to struggle with meeting quorums because we do have some work on that. It's not as current, but we did start to look at how often are these people not meeting a quorum. Some of that was during COVID when we started this. So trying to understand what was really that, even though we went to Zoom, you know, when people were ill. But I agree anecdotally, it's those that the problems with turnover and court meeting quorum are those boards that are, you know, we don't have that with. Planning Commission, those that have a direct mission. That's one, one thing I was talking this through is that if we find that Historical Resource Commission doesn't have a high turnover, that doesn't necessarily isn't going to inform us to say, well, that commission stays. Like we're still going to look at yeah. Yeah, that this, what what do we actually want? Maybe that's a housing, uh, housing and development commission that is encompassing historical resources commission and affordable housing and what both of those boards are doing as a whole. Yeah, your, your mission is more than just lumping them together. Right. Okay. It, it is that, and that's already been work that's kind of gone faster than I expected, but it's also how do we make these that we have, whatever is chosen, the most effective, right? the most productive. And so I think it's worthwhile to say those that have little turnover, we could say that's one measure of effectiveness. That's one, certainly one measure of engagement. Commitment. Of engagement, commitment. So what are the common attributes of those? And what are the common attributes of the ones that have rapid turnover? And so we could we do kind of qualitative analysis of, I wonder why that's happening. And are there some things we can identify, which gets to then when we restructure these things and identify which boards and commissions are we gonna have going forward, what do we wanna make sure that we put in place so that they can be as effective as the ones that are working on. And I think that, I think having said it that way, and also the discussion we just had, I think that that work is worth the time to do one for our deliberations and whatever recommendations we ultimately make. But also remember when we do something and we, you know, disband and go our, you know, go on our, our way, staff is going to go, stand tall before the city commission and they're going to get a lot of hard questions because people are going to push on the, the commissioner saying, why are you doing this? Why do you hate so-and-so? And I think the more direction we can give them and then they also can look at the same data and do their own analysis, I think it's going to behoove them when the time comes to really make the hard decisions. So I, I think exactly what you said, if you could do that, I think it would be great, so it'd be we, great for everybody involved. Could we say over a 10-year window? Ooh, that's probably a little farther back than you want to go. Uh, I'm just trying to get the right data sample because the current year, 
turnover of a current year or a two-year window is probably not the right data sample to show a trend. So what is the right data sample to say, BZA, we know that that's what it's to, it, why that's not having high turnover. But is when you had a, a standard uh, agenda for Lawrence Cultural Arts that you guys are, you guys don't have high turnover. But if three years ago, before we made all the budgetary changes, did that high, have high turnover five years ago versus the last two to three years? Right. Is a five-year look back? Is it appropriate? Is it doable? Um, five years would be easier than 10, just simply because that's approximately how long we've had this new system. Oh, yeah, that's right. And so, so we have a, we have a data better. system that has that that's much more expensive. Right. So I think I'm, I'm going to, I think that would capture an interesting data set because one, because you've got pre-COVID and post-COVID, right? And the world did change a little bit along the way, and so I think it would be it would sort of capture the flavor of both. That's what I'm, from March 2020 till last month, a lot of bets are off yeah. because everything is different. Yeah, things are different. It's how about a five? How about a, a lot? How about a five-year look back? It's good, and that'd be just a turnover rate or average tenure. Yeah, yeah. but I think to your point of, of what what are those boards? Being able to identify the boards that have low turnover rate, and then that helps make our decisions of how are we building these other boards moving forward. I think that's the data that we want from from this. At least that when I'm hearing this, right? We might see a pattern that reinforces a hypothesis that we may have. Because mm -hmm. I, I share your hypothesis. I think that it's probably likely that you'll see more turnover on those boards that don't have a clear agenda, that right. don't have clear direction. But it could be when they meet on Thursdays, the ones that meet on Thursdays, mm -hmm. terrible, you know? So, I mean, it, yeah. we don't want to presume that we understand everything. Right. And, and, are, and are we assuming that all the boards and commissions have the same term? term? I do not assume. Yeah, <laughs> um, I'll have to look, in general, three-year terms. That's what I was um, thinking. But some, some... they're set up; they they have all to stagger. And but currently, um, if you you can serve longer if you fill a partial term, you right. can still get two full terms. So but, again, but three years is the standard. And that was the case of a gentleman on BZA recently, where I think he had two full three-year terms and served part of a two-year term. So we got, you know, we got eight, but yeah. we got amazing contributions. We got, yeah. you know, an yeah, impact we, player there. We had someone who was like just a hair short of nine because they, yeah. they they finished out someone's term. Right but you look start. at that and you say, you know, thank goodness for that kind of commitment. Somebody that would hang with that long and give us that much institutional knowledge, you know. So would it make, to skew this a little bit, would it make sense to do a six-year look back so you're getting two consecutive terms if they're an average of three-year terms? You don't get a little bit of dirty data of oh, that transition. Have it back then. I'm trying to remember exactly. I think it was 2019. Yes, we don't. How about sure. Just, Doesn't mean we can't. Use your discretion. Yeah, yeah. 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 you do that. It's getting what yeah. we can, and yeah. if, yes. if the records are way better than I suspect they were prior to this, then we may be able to do more. If you're good with that, but absolutely, we, we understand your intent. Your intent from this discussion, what we're trying to get. Yeah. Yeah, trust your judgment. Exactly. <laughs> Staff, five stars. <laughs> okay. Didn't mean to derail. So, no, I mean, that's, that's good stuff. Okay. So, my I return to my original question. 
discuss results of visioning session. What exactly? Give me a push. Tell me what we're supposed to do there. Sharon had two questions that she provided everybody. All right. So our chairperson left us with a couple questions. One, is it necessary to have a city appointee to all community boards listed? Could we save staff costs and time by removing some of these city appointees? And two, should we define and differentiate between a board and a commission? Do we need multiple terms? And if so, what should they be? That goes right to item number two on the agenda. Yes, it does. So we were just providing back to you so that we did, we're doing some of you did, you had done primary, secondary, sort of summarize that conversation, but because they were requested, attached to that is also your original um, those with the primary and secondary. I mean, the primary and secondary. That's essentially where you landed. Yeah, the, top the top sheet is kind of, this is what we think we said. Yes. And the, the back is literally the primary and secondary sorting that was done at the time. So there is some flavor of interpretation in the Right, okay. So everybody, everybody got this. What we're going this? a different direction. <laughs> no, I'm dancing on all sorts of things. But yeah, I do have that. I do okay. have that. What, what this actually said to me was something that I went through and I read that city of Bozeman uh, letter to the commission and just went through their process and what their recommendations were. And what we did in this visioning summary it's very close to what their ultimate outcome ended up being. Right. Um, some of our titles, we, I mean, we went straight to what our, uh, what the strategic plan was. And I think they, theirs were as well, but they had, they had kind of, they have six main boards, safe community board, sustainability board, parks and open lands board, transportation board, community development and cultural services. And what we've, did just as a jumping off point, I think is very consistent with where I think city of Bozeman actually ultimately ended up. And they, they have great language in here that kind of talked about why they're com combining, which committees they're combining and the services that those, the expectation of each one of those committees. So I think this is a, the right first step um, for us to kind of identify what we want and maybe we don't stick with the unmistakable identity as being on our board title, but I think general belief or the general process here, I think is we're right where we probably should be going um, with creating these new boards or keeping the boards that we think um, can't be grouped in, into any one of these. Like for your, your example, planning is probably too big a, a, a board to, to ask them to do anymore. I, yeah, I would That's say that. That still follows one of the strategic goals, but it is a standalone independent board of what we're trying to accomplish. Well, and our planning commission is a county and city yeah, right. planning commission. I would consider kind of separate from this, yeah. not city only. Looking back at this, one thing that comparing the Bozeman to this was, I was interested to say, what if, if anybody had example, anything in here that is, that's too big a fish. Like we can't, we can't ask more of that. If we were going to say planning and a board of zoning and board of code of appeals really probably could be one board. 
maybe they can't be. And so one of those boards just needs to be kind of pulled out of this entire discussion of how we're grouping things together. Does that make sense? It, it does. Um, Those men and we are goal is 10. So if there's some that we just can't, it needs to be a standalone independent board. That's going to count towards our 10. Is it, Craig? Because, I mean, if you add, if you make your statutory boards part of that 10, so there's a lot less room on that raft. I'm not even necessarily saying statutory boards, boards that whose job already it's impactful enough or significant enough that it runs over to the next day and you can't add anything else to that agenda well i just just to it's there's some going on right now the code review process and it's likely that and i'm not free determining but likely that their work is going to make for fewer reviews so their agenda probably has outgrown the scale of our city um, so they're probably doing a lot more work than they will than you would see in other cities our size, yeah. because we've never updated and kind of drawn the line higher and said this is the level of decision making that goes to a board commission versus an administrative review. I suspect that's what it was. I think that's Clarion's initial findings, and I that's our that wouldn't be surprising. So they should be getting more manageable as an outcome of the steering committee work, but I, that hasn't been determined for sure. That's and I mean, in in some aspects. I, yeah, I agree. It could be that our land development code is going to be recodified or amended in such a way that more stuff is going to stay with staff and be actionable, you know, have final action there. And really what we're talking about is I think some of the, some of the same thing is going to happen here, which is things that are being you know, being given to volunteer boards, committees and whatnot are going to roll back onto staff experience. And I think staff was kind of saying that at least a little bit in the staff survey. It's like, we can do this. We can do this. You know, well, you're going to have to because this this board or this committee might go away. But I think they seem to say we can do this. Yeah. I mean, it, when you're volunteering your time and you're spending your time on this, you want to have weighty decisions. You might not need to do a lot of small decisions um, that might not be worth your time or effort or the, the attention that you're devoting to it. Right. Um, and, you know, the, that's likely to only increase as the city gets larger. Um, that be the case. And the other contribution I'll make here is, you know, we're supposed to be building um, the best committee structure to support the strategic plan. So that still should be the primary thing that we're trying to weigh. And if if the, the statutory committees, they, they don't have flexibility, but still build the plan that you think is right for the strategic plan. So when you read the language of that, what is the, the committee that's going to best honor that and, and bring a, a citizen perspective and a community perspective in to doing that work? So this summary that we have here is supposed to be, if I understand it right, a, a summary of all the primary 
stuff yeah. we replaced up primarily. Maybe. There's some errors in it. Yeah. There was a there, there was the commission, as far as I can tell. Because well, there's more than that in the first. These were just the discretionary funds. Well, but unmistakable identity is missing downtown master plan steering committee. Because we took that one off because as, it doesn't. As a steering committee. Yeah. There, and I would say probably like land development code steering committee, some of these task force type ones, they're one and done. So we didn't necessarily put those in because they're going to exhaust. That's why I included your original notes. Aviation advisory board is listed twice. It's secondary under connected cities. It was primary one was prosperity. Well, apparently I didn't do a very good summary for you. Okay. I think we've mentioned why we why we put the steering committees still in some I one of the strategic plans is to know that that work still has to be done. And maybe that's a more ongoing job that has to be done within the committees that are developed, not just when it's when it's needed to be done. Let me. It's a. It's not, I think that's a presumption. Okay, and I, this isn't being um, disrespectful to anything that's existing. But remember, these all were created at a different time for different reasons. So to assume that all of them still are useful to do the strategic plan work is a presumption. You use the word start opening that I've never heard before, so I, <laughs> so I'm learning vocabulary. <laughs> okay. Um, let me ask you guys a question kind of teed something up and so in this moment as we sit here on b1 discuss results of visioning session is this a moment where we go through and i'm looking though i like sherry's summary i'm looking at our original boards and commission structure committee meeting notes january 18th and this is where we discussed stuff and parked it you know, and, and, you know, these strategic plan areas. Is this where we go through and start looking at stuff and labeling, you know, or is have to keep? And is, is this the moment we do that or do we push that off to another date when Sharon and Dr. Nabandian are back? Yeah, I, I think we should wait. I mean, I think that's it's I think that honestly for this agenda item B one, I feel like looking over the you know the arrangement that we did last time, I still feel like this was a good first step. I don't think we need to go through now and start sort you know, trying to decide what is necessarily essential. I for me, I, I still think honestly, B, there. That's the yeah, so, B, honestly B2, which we're, we're looking at the, the types of boards and commissions, I still I feel like is where I think we should go next because really, it's what Stan was talking about earlier with how you know, some some boards and commissions are, you know, they show up and they have an agenda full of stuff and they just go through it. Um, it's just a very different experience and it's a very different um, 
And I agree. I agree with your assessment. I just want to check in with Craig. Is that okay? Because we are on a limited timeline. Yeah. And so it's like, do you, are you okay with us moving past B1 on to talking about B2 types and boards of commissions, knowing at some point we're going to have to return to this visioning session and start talking about you know, what is essential and what might bear some other label? Well, my, my suggestion, lots of different ways to go. My suggestion is we, we gave you this to kind of say, although there's a couple errors, but we kind of wanted you to say, does this seem right? Because you gave primary and secondary in the sorting process. Right. And we kind of took that and said, we're going to put primary where it belongs. And we also added some flavor of, well, this, this is where staff is parking. And this is the kinds of things the staff liaisons, for instance, for some of these are under these. So this is how we would move them from an existing staffing perspective, which again, isn't the only factor to consider here. So if we could just kind of get a general nod that, yeah, this is about right with a couple of exceptions, and then we'll reconcile that, that would be a big step forward. And then, yeah, thank then you. when we package it all together at the end, then we can reconsider these and make sure it's still working after each other. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to look over at Stan, who seems mm -hmm. to be tracking pretty, pretty well. If there's anything missing, and if it's missing, you need to put it back in. Well, not necessarily missing, but under strong welcoming neighborhoods, we have when we the notes from our meeting only had two words that considered that to be a primary responsibility. And we've got five things listed there now. Land development code was um, actually listed under prosperity and economic security as primary. So was that a purposeful choice to move it up to strong welcoming neighborhoods? Well, yeah, that's where I would say that's the flavor. So Jeff Crick is the champion of strong welcoming neighborhoods. He's also the planning director and he's also sitting on that. He's, he's staffing the land development code. Rick Cromcano is the champion for um, prosperity and economic security. So that's not the reason why we should or shouldn't do it, but I'm just saying that's where that's how the work is being done currently. But the thing is, though, as far as this summary, like you just said, land development code update steering committee is going to sunset. I mean, they're going to they're going to achieve their recommendation. It'll be submitted to the city commission, and so it's actually not something. Okay. We can move on from that one. The next one was the Board of Zoning Appeals. We had put that in the parking lot last time, and now we've moved it up under strong welcoming neighborhoods. We're all good with that. Same response as before. That is really this building, this staff over here on this side, that, that's what they do. Um, again, it doesn't have to serve it. I, so parking lot isn't doesn't have champions. Okay. Yeah, really. And I think that strong welcoming neighborhoods is the best dwelling place for BZA. I think it probably fits there. Building Code Board of Appeals, we had put that under safe and secure. Yeah. It's been moved up to strong welcoming neighborhoods. Same, Same logic. Yeah. I mean, we discussed one of those pretty, pretty extensively. Camera, um, which there's at least one that we went back and forth on. And honestly, I think that, that makes sense that, as well. That is the safe and secure, but some of it obviously too is the KPIs. You look at them, don't fit safe and secure. 
Yeah, that, that's the one where we really went back and forth to safe and secure and strong welcoming neighborhoods. So right, for me, looking at this summary, even though it is a little bit different, maybe some secondary to sort of primaries, um, I, I think it's fine, obviously. Let's walk maybe. through Let's start at number one and walk through it. That's what Craig has asked us to do. And I think that's a very I think that's a very reasonable ask. Let let us put eyes on this. I need some some help with the Board of Zoning Appeals and the Building Code Board of Appeals. Now, the, the Board of Zoning says yes or no, you can build a four-story building at the corner of Ninth Massachusetts. That's the zoning. But the Building Code, every town has, there's a national building code, and then every town adopts it and tweaks it. Like in California, it's a little different because of earthquakes. In New York City, it's different because all the buildings are interconnected and all the infrastructure runs under the sidewalk. But that is the difference, right? I think one of the differences... That's what an engineer told me last week when I asked them about it. Correct me if I'm wrong, because I don't sit on the Building Code Board of Appeals, but that's staffed by actual professionals right in that in that field is is it not is that the people that sit on that right that serve on the board the staff staff is usually your building code folks but this is really to say to question staff's ruling on a building code decision so you have to have somebody with some expertise in the building codes so architects engineers it's a little different volunteer is, than you would find on some of these they yeah. have a specialized background to be but there. is is that Somebody doesn't want to adhere to your code and they're asking for a variance? No. That that is the plumbing inspector said you have to put a three inch pipe in this circumstance. This is what the, I believe the code says. And the the person in the contractor says, no, that's not true. I believe that they're applying the code wrong. Okay. I, I believe there's a technical error in their application of the building code versus um, a zoning decision that is questioned on that. The zoning appeals would be a circumstance um, where there's an unusual circumstance to it. You know, there's a, a strangely shaped lot, and if you apply the code accurately, you can't do that, but because of this strange circumstance, could there be a relief from it? And that's what they give relief from. I'm working without Tony here, but right. And then, but once I just I circle back to Board of Zoning Appeals. You know, as we sit there, do you have to have a background in you know land development or anything to sit on that board? No, you know, just are you a citizen from this community that wants to? serve on that board, yes, then you're eligible. Board of Building Code Board of Appeals, it's kind of a battle of the experts where it's like this plumber and this contractor says, you're applying the code wrong and you have a person that's also a contractor and a plumber sitting on that committee. No, we're not. You know, it's so there's, you have to have some credentials, a little bit different background or credential to sit on that board building code board of appeals rather than just being an eligible citizen of the community. So there's, to me, it's an important differentiation to. to it is. Yes. 
But much of that would be commercial, right? Mm, no, it could be residential, commercial, it could be whatever. Yeah. Any place there's plumbing or electricity or a structure. Certain building materials that are new to the market may not meet our code. Well, let's go back up. If you're okay, okay let's I go just... back up to number one, and we'll just walk our way through and and see if we agree with so, the staff summary. Yeah. Okay. I don't know if we need to go through every one, but I, I guess I'm, I'm hung up more on this being called a summary. I don't think it's a summary. I think it's um, it's it could be a summary with staff amendments, but yeah, having things moved around and and stuff there, it's not a summary of what we did last meeting. No, and, and that's, that's what I stipulated. I think that's what I'm hung up on. That's why I tried to give that speech of I want to make it clear that we did add some staff. So maybe if we just change the title, the summary uh, with staff amendments, with staff amendments, or yeah. last staff amendments. Then it would make more sense to me because I, I don't necessarily have a, a problem with how these things have been rearranged. But another one is like bodywork advisory board um, has been moved up under safe and secure. We had quite a discussion about that at the time, and we ended up putting it under prosperity and economic security. But now it's been moved back up. And it was under safe and secure as well as a secondary. As a secondary. Yeah. Right. You're, you're right. Right. It, but my my impression was that this was just the primaries. But we that you're summarizing all the with, primaries. In general with those and the stipulation like this is this is the department that handles this and this would group much better in that circumstance. Right. You looked at the KPIs, you looked at who was in charge of those and said, yeah, you know, the body work advisory board fit with that one's KPI. I mean, we've got a summary of what we did. That's the meeting. So, yeah. Why they removed is because they were tying them to a KPI and grouping it that way. So if you want to maybe go through these and say, do are we okay with how they've been grouped here with the staff input? Sure. I, I think I'm going to start up here at one, unmistakable identity. And I find Parks Recreation Advisory Board. I agree with that. Transit Guest Tax Grant Program Advisory Board. I guess I agree with that. Orange Cultural Arts Commission. I agree with that. Moving on to number two, Strong Welcoming Neighborhoods. Affordable Housing Advisory Board. I agree. Historic Resources Commission. I agree. I've crossed out Land Development Code Update Steering Committee because it'll sunset. I don't think that we need to worry about that one. Board of Zoning Appeals, sign code, Board of Appeals. Yes, I believe strong welcoming neighborhoods is the appropriate place for that one as well. Before we go on, um, back under under mistakable identity, the downtown master plan steering committee, is that a sunsetting group? Yes. Is that why it got left off the list? Yes. Okay. Yes. They're, they're completed with their work. Okay. I also want to recognize we, we didn't Include planning commission. So, but that wasn't on the agenda. <laughs> I, I know it's just a particular <laughs> thing, but I would add that it was a strong level. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was just so we don't let it fall off. Yeah, all right. It, it may be because it's so obvious that we missed it. Yeah. Um, building code board of appeals. It's me that feels more like safe and secure. 
but apparently somebody on staff felt like it dwelt better under strong welcoming neighborhoods. Yeah, yes. Um, you know, it's like the fire code. Okay, that's where I would see safe and secure. Yes, there's this, an element of building safety in all of our codes, but there, there's a reason why we have firefighters go doing that part of it. And it's a, it, that's that part. Um, so most of these building codes are, are, this is a quality of construction. So the quality of our neighborhoods and the quality of the constructed structures in our city, this is about maintaining that quality so they hold up over time. Yes, that they're safe, but also that they're constructed with a quality. It doesn't mean that they fall down quickly. So that's why I would park all of those code-related ones. It's something that adds to the resilience of the neighborhoods, like like literally the structural resilience of the neighborhood. Yes, and, and that your neighbor, and the reason why you have this, like you have to have a citizen or somebody weighing in on this, that if you're you're not going to have to your project, you're not going to have to foot follow these codes that all the rest of our citizens have had to do, then it's going to be a, a, an exception. Right. So we leave that up to a group of citizens to do that. So that's why that's. I accept that explanation. Is everybody else okay with that? Yeah. Now we move on to safe and secure body work advisory board. And that's another one where you have to have some particular credential to be on that board because you're essentially, I think, reviewing stuff that what masseuses and stuff like that do in the community. That'd be one of those. Um, I think that's the appropriate place for it. Community police review board, yes. Special Alcohol Tax Fund Review Board. Not sure, but I don't really have any reason to argue. I mean, I think that right now that the funding that was on, that was previously being done, uh, overseen by that board, is and is being utilized from for housing. And I think that's why we ended up putting it in safe and secure. And also, it's you know, it's for alcohol tax um, usage of, to ensure support for individuals suffering from. So the, the monies received from that tax are used for housing now? Currently, yes. Currently. Yes, under, under the, the guidelines of what's allowable within those ordinances. I think the housing department is overseeing those funds at this point. In previous years, the funds were allocated differently mostly yeah. to community organizations and specifically organizations that were that were interpreted as you know providing some sort of you know, gateway to an alternative to substance and alcohol and substance abuse or you know programs specifically for treating individuals with alcohol and substance abuse but in, in the past year specifically it's for housing which is a little bit of deviation from right but, but housing is is somewhat narrow because it is still going to burn ash it is going to those similar organizations, it's just being overseen currently by the housing department with with it with that intention. I, I would say more specifically homelessness. Yes. Housing insecurity and homelessness. Yeah. So that's where that has gone, which is um, you know, preventative on substance abuse and overlapping with that. So that's been our strategy. Right. The police oversight working group, I think that dwells well, there it is right now, safe and secure. 
moving on prosperity and economic security. Aviation Advisory Board. Yes. Public Incentive Review Board. Okay. Moving on to Connected City. Now, Aviation Advisory Board shows up again. It's secondary. It probably shouldn't. I think we cross it off. Yeah. And get yeah. it up there under Prosperity. So under Connected City, we find Public Transit Advisory Committee. Yeah, makes sense. There are three steering committees on here, which would all be sunsetting. Those last three that are listed. Multi, sorry, Multimodal Transportation Commission. Yes. Then, yeah, as Craig said, we have three steering committees. I think they all, yeah, they all dwell well under that particular strategic plan goal and, and they're going away anyway um, when they complete their work. So then we to our parking lot. Sales Tax Audit Committee, Sustainability Advisory Board, Human Relations Commission. What we noticed on those and why we put the commitments there is they really, that seemed to be what they're speaking to very clearly. And so while we were trying to say, what about just the outcomes? It, these were really clear that they're speaking to the commitments. And whether or not we want to have advisory boards in the commitment areas, I think there's a lot of good conversation to be had in there. And why would you just have these three or should we have six? Um, and so I think that's a worthwhile conversation. You call them parking lot or, but they're really uh, aligning with these commitment areas where we're doing some important work. Do we need to honor all six of those with citizen committees and volunteers or are these the three types that suggest that they should. I don't have an answer to that, but I think it's worth worthwhile conversation. Yeah, I like how you tied them into the commitment that, right. that underlies those outcomes in the strategic plan. Yeah, I think that makes sense. And the only other one that you had in there initially was the Board of Zoning Appeals, which is the one for the Yeah. I think we all agreed it makes sense to have it up there. Yeah. So unless unless I misread the room, then our summary slash staff recommend staff amendments that we just went through. I think that we I think that we're good with it as as we discussed going through. You captured that in the minutes, so I think we're fine. I'm good with that. So, planning permission on under strong welcoming neighborhoods. You're good with the building cohort of appeals staying on yes. welcoming. So this, I think, we're going to circle back and visit in a big way later, but not at this meeting. So I think we're ready to move on to agenda item B two types of board and commission. Does anybody? Yes. Do just have just. Kind of summarizing some of that information from um, the uh, just to get you thinking about the different types of boards and commissions from the information that we've had in that report we shared with you with Corvallis, um, Boulder, Bozeman, just to get you thinking about how other um, cities 
are aligning some of theirs and three different types of boards and commissions they use for those. Okay. Sure. I wasn't able to get the link for Port Vallis to work. Okay. I was trying to pull that down um, with some login and it said you, your cookies weren't correct or something like that. And then when I canceled it, there's a login, a guest login for it. Oh. So I tried it on multiple. That's previous agenda report. Yeah. That was, okay. Yeah, from the met staff memo where it had that little link to it. It could be me, but I wasn't able to get it for a couple different areas. So we're all looking at the handout Jerry just passed around types of boards and commissions. And it's just some brief points for you all to kind of start talking about just how they use those on the policy. Some of, I mean, in operational, sometimes they um, the operational technical, they may refer to that task forces because of that hot committee, just to kind of open up just all the different options they have instead of just our structure of how we define our boards and commissions. Um, a couple of the community connectors, there was another city, uh, there were two cities you looked at south of the Boulder. One of them uses called it, you know, Alliance. Um, we thought that was, you know, interesting use and it's more focused on community engagement. Elevating underrepresented voices. Uh, and we can get more information. Are there advisory boards that you get to appoint? Does that reflect our operations here? It hasn't been. Um, it's one I think we're talking about in a, you know, cautious about this is, it looks like I'm usurping or whatever, but there are some things that speak to an operational responsibility that I have. You know, there are some boards and commissions where, um, you know, we have a, a, an obligation to provide a certain service and we, the advice that we're getting on operations is um, politically appointed. So, you know, that, it's worth having a conversation about. Um, there, there are some these some of these cities they do do that where they say, hey, the city manager and often it'd be a department director. It says, I'd love to have a group of citizens who are passionate about this help us with our operations. You know, and and we would identify some of those that have that expertise and they want to give that expertise, but it wouldn't necessarily be um, politically appointed by the elected leadership and then go through the processes that we usually do with those. It'd just be, we have a great group of people that want to help us with that, lending their expertise or, you know, as a sounding board for a specialized operation. Kind of a community advisory team. Yeah. And, and we get that. I just, it would, I think there's some merit to formalizing it um, and maybe making it flexible so that we didn't have to have an ordinance to do any changes on it. Does that put a, a burden upon if, if we were to make a recommendation like that would that put a burden on you to have to find those people and well maybe it might be though also a vehicle for those that um you know if if you say these, these are these are good ones for policy advisory to the city commission and there's some ones that are we have in existence but they're not really a good fit for that those might be good ones for us to morph into hey why don't we have um, 
the MSO department, uh, a group about that issue, or the transit group. I'm not trying to say that that's what should happen. I'm just saying for the ones like that. Just so I'm clear, I think it sounds fine. You know, if you, you know, you or, I mean, you know, Jeff Crick or somebody like that is faced with some issue and they would like to get some input from some other folks in the community that have, you know, relevant expertise and knowledge, I'm all for them reaching out. And imagine you, you know, went out and got four or five people to sit down with you, you know, over the course of a couple months. The thing that jumps to my head is, does Coma or Cora apply to any of that? Or is that just you reaching out in a professional capacity to other professionals seeking advice? I, I don't think it does. Tony is not here to advise and we will get an opinion on that, but I, that, I don't think so. It's usually you're triggering that when you have recommendation to the governing body of some kind. So it, it wouldn't. And They're making their recommendation to you. You're the person that's carrying the ultimate right. recommendation of the governing body, which you do in the full light of, you know, Coma yeah. Cora. Yeah. Um, I, you know, it could, again, if it's a technical issue, you still have maybe an engineer that is responsible for sealing that design, but having some input or some ideas from other people on that might be great. I, I can think even in sustainability, you know, here's some people that are passionate experts in this, they're not going to necessarily create a policy. Maybe there's another body that does that, but, you know, hey, what about these things and how can we help Kathy move that all forward? So again, I'm not being, I'm not trying to make it exclusive. We have 45 boards and commissions or 20 some that we're trying to wrangle here. There's a possibility that some of those are a better fit as having a relationship with our own teams of subject matter experts, and that would be a better way to engage. And it might not be in it, you know, an open, formally adopted public meeting with cameras and where we go through all this. Now, that's not trying to hide from anything. It's just saying not everybody. Well, it just, I mean, I think it just acknowledges things as they are, which is you can reach out to anybody. I mean, in fact, you would be remiss if some issue confront the city, you know, you can reach out to your peers and other similarly situated cities and ask them, hey, what happened? What did you do? You know, that's you just being diligent and doing oh, your right. job. And I do that regularly. You know, so it's like, it really just says, go ahead and do that, you know? Yeah. And, and so I think what we're opening the door here, some cities have formalized. Some cities have just recognized that we want to do that as the way we're operating as a city. You know, there's, there's volunteer fire departments. I mean, so it's not outrageous that there's citizens that directly involve and engage in operations of the city. Right. Are, are most of the, the boards and committees and things that we've identified that we look, just looked at on the summary page, do most of them fall into category one or are the sunsetting ones, do they slip down to task force? Because you're saying we don't have any that are city manager appointed right now. Almost all of these are appointed by city commission, or maybe all of them are appointed by city commission. So do they, does this entire list fall into category one? That was a question. I guess the planning, the planning commission is a multi-jurisdictional body. 
with members appointed by the city commission. Wait, wait what is the, the planning? Is that what you said? Planning is a county and city. Yeah. Um, we have a ton of those. Yeah. Yeah. They're not listed on this. Yeah. We're not looking at those right. in our analysis. I was curious, are all of the ones that we, that we have that are on our list, all of them have are appointed by mayor? But is that true? Nominated by the mayor, appointed by the city commission. Fair. And, and that's uniform. Yes. Craig, did you say for this operational advisory board that there would be an ordinance for that? Or you said there wouldn't need an ordinance? No, I'm, I'm saying that we could... That would be cumbersome if that was what we had. So it'd be, you know, have some agility. Hey, something has come up. I wonder if we could attract some some citizens to help us in this work. Right. So my, I guess my question would be, what is precluding us from doing that already? Nothing. He just wants to formalize. Yeah. It. So is that to recognize? Is that even happening? Part of the <laughs> scope of what we're discussing. Well, what the reason it falls under our mandate not. is because we're suggesting solutions, like if. Some of these citizen appointed boards, committees, and such are going to go away. Then, what? Then what's what? What occupies the space that they do? And what we've talked about tonight is staff will take on some of that work. But Craig's talking about there's some issues where you know a department head might gather up some subject matter matter experts, you know, pull their knowledge, and then be able to you know do that work that before we had this board that meets twice a year that was appointed by the city commission do. So I think it's just sort of, it's, it's, it's showing where these pieces are going to, where they're going to dwell if they reduce the size of what they have right now. I mean, that was a really clumsy explanation. Um, and I guess I, I didn't envision any of this, the work that any of these commission, these committees to, to drop off anywhere. Like they would be absorbed by another committee or we'd have a committee that's formed that takes on the responsibility of committee A, committee, committee C. What if Maybe. they didn't have an agenda? What if they were? Well, when we combine the three, theoretically we would have a more driven that's driven by just like the planning commission of here's the things that actually have to get accomplished in any given, in a given meeting. That might be the recommendation for some of these. And then some of them, they might just cease to exist and be taken on by staff or, right. you know, reconstituted on an ad hoc, you know, basis if a need arises. Um, so some of them might not be absorbed anywhere. They might just, Maybe, or maybe a recommendation would be is that it transitions from a city commission appointed to a city manager appointed and managed. That could be as well. Right. That that I can see where we have that as an operational board that is overseen in that way. That I think the sales tax audit committee, honestly, would be one. Um, I mean, it's almost like these ones that are commitments fit really well into these operational advisory boards. Yeah, but we can't quite find a space for it within the strategic plan goals, but it is something that we've made a commitment to do. Isn't this that kind of what what Congress kind of does already when they when they want to they have hearings and they call people in? I mean, um, 
and they go there and they answer their questions about things. I, I know my brother does it for the Department of Defense. Um, and it seems like that's a better, like for the sustainability board, if there was a question, like let's say plastic bags, you had, they called in people to talk to them to decide what they were going to recommend to the commission. You didn't need to have an standing committee. You called people in or people could apply to talk. But it, it seems like that's a more efficient way of gathering information to make them a recommendation. If the True. if the commission or committee does not have a, a task like to look at a given set of tax revenues at each quarter or how often that it's it would just be as an as needed, we call people in and we have our list of experts and anyone else that wants to come talk. Yeah, often there is a select committee on or we hear those things at a congressional level. I'd invite Hannah maybe give some perspectives on how we're envisioning public engagement going forward. Because if you read that statement, we're, we're very committed to co-creating government. And so I think we, we would like to have the opportunity to form committees at a staff level that help us in our work. Yeah, is one aspect of our larger community engagement portfolio. So when we talk about creating operational boards, um, that would be sort of one technique or one tool in our toolkit for going out and listening to people and gathering their feedback and bringing that back to the city so that we make better decisions that reflect community sentiment. Um, having something less formalized than a boarding commission um, and having a, a staff appointed group would also potentially lower barriers to entry for people, right? Because it's less formalized. I don't have to go through the sort of rigorous-esque uh, application process and be appointed by the mayor. Instead, they could be more casually invited in. You could go out and meet them where they're at and do better outreach to them and more engagement. It's just an easier process for people to hold into, which I think helps the equity and inclusion concerns. And then in the community engagement space in particular, um, if there was an operational board, that would be, you know, that would allow us to do a lot of things that so if you have an issue, say, that we just can't get people to show up on, we just can't really, they won't dig their teeth into it, they're just like, they're too busy, whatever the thing might be. If we had a standing group of people who were here to say, I want to I want to engage with you on issues, you know, they could be our go-to folks. And at least we're getting some people at the table to have conversations. So there's all kinds of benefits to this. But I guess what I would just drive home is the city is very much committed to doing community engagement in many ways, in many places, consistently and intentionally, and an operational board is one way that we could go about. I want to play, sorry, go ahead. It would be less intimidating yeah. to the average person. Don't you think? Yeah, it would yeah. take less courage. And you don't have to be filmed, and you don't have yeah. to be you know, yeah. stuff. You can just be more human in the space, which I think is welcoming. No, no. To, to play devil's advocate on this, and I think yeah. this, I, I like operational advisory board idea to play devil's advocate on this, one of the, having having the mayor make the suggestion and, the, and then the commission do the approval process, there's some accountability that comes into that that role. If, if I'm playing the devil's advocate is of, okay, well, what's holding city staff accountable for the people that they appoint to these boards that aren't just backing what you guys already want to do? 
supporting the opinion that you already have? So my answer to that would be, um, if, if you subscribe to the values of public participation, John Halbandi had mentioned it last time, the International Association for Public Participation, you approach community engagement as a neutral space, as a facilitator. You're holding neutral space for people to provide you feedback. You're not there to influence in any one direction. So we would very much be approaching those operational boards as, as a space to do neutral work and just let them talk and build agendas and all of that good stuff that makes the meeting run well. But it wouldn't be, it would not be staff driving the agenda. We would be holding neutral space where people would be able to surface their concerns on any one issue or more broadly. And I would give some examples. So we would want to have um, to work out some of these issues with stakeholders that we've identified before a staff recommendation comes forward to the city commission. We say, well, we worked with a lot of different folks. And they may not even show up at the meeting they felt heard and represented we're doing that work now we do it all over the place and some some of those that that input and guidance we get on stakeholder input does get to an agenda for an item for the city commission so many don't so we're just going to go about our business doing things but it'd be better to have the input uh, operationally from stakeholders so that we just are making better decisions that are well all within our authority and control that don't have these are operational decisions. They will never bubble up to an ordinance or a direction from the elected body. They never would, but we would still want to engage them. Those are the types of things. And, and that can also happen with 48 boards and commissions, 45 boards and commissions, you know, but here we're being probably a lot more nimble. And as Hannah Sam, reducing a lot of barriers for people that don't want to get a babysitter so they can go down at seven o'clock on a Wednesday. Yeah. And also for the more formal boards and commissions, ones that are appointed, if you had an operational board or task force or advisory group, whatever you want to call it, uh, say in community engagement, and say there's a there's a formal board who has an initiative that they're working on, like plastic bags or source of income, and they're like, hey, we're really interested in doing community engagement on this, but we don't know how. And so you sort of like draw connections between the community, right? Because you can lean on the operational board and say, hey, can you come in and talk to this formal uh, board and commission about sort of what y'all thinking about community engagement, you know, techniques you've seen that have been successful, what kind of recommendations would you make to them? So it's both bringing the community together and giving staff more guidance and input on their day-to-day -day work. It's potential for being quick reacting and nimble is really through the roof because I mean, you know, Craig or once again, Jeff Craig or somebody like that has something they want to talk about. It's really easy for you to reach out to and get, you know, the land chairperson there, get, you know, the chamber to send somebody, you know, get whoever to send somebody. And then you sit down and you talk it through and everybody feels good because like everybody's there, everybody was heard. And then you have some really, I hope, actionable information in really short order, but still you had the right people in the room that you, you know, you wanted to talk to. But yeah, I mean, you couldn't, I mean, go to the commission, have the mayor nominate, then have the commission, you know, approve. And it just, it makes for a lot more nimble process. You can get to the information you want a lot, lot faster. You know, is there potential for echo chamber type abuse? Yes. <laughs> but that already I, exists in the, in the boards, um, in my opinion. 
Yeah, because, I mean, we started off the meeting tonight talking about how, once again, you look at 90% of the responses on our survey, they were directly approached by the mayor or a city commissioner to be on a board. You know, I mean, like two or three of the responses went to the website and filled something out. Um, and it made me think about, yeah, that's actually how it happened. That's, yeah, I was, yeah, I was actually approached by, you know, my barber, you know, hey, you want to do this? Okay. Um, and then that's how I got there. Yeah, I definitely think that the, the um, this alternative method with the, the city organizing, you know, groups, I think, I think it is a good it's a good option especially for some of the, some of the things maybe some of the commitment related things and maybe i don't know specifically how frequently all of these bodies are meeting especially some that are more every once in a while not not having continuous like a workload but i do think that it doesn't it doesn't detract from the fact that i think that for the formal boards and, and committees there there needs to be also still be a, a breaking down of sort of the perceived barrier to entry for those and maybe having those having some outreach to get people involved in these more ad hoc style boards can be sort of a stepping stone to to introducing people to serving on more permanent boards and committees and then also if you're going to be doing outreach for those and honestly recruitment for those sorts of endeavors i feel like if you're going to be doing the effort to put out information about how people can get involved in those, mm -hmm. you might as well also be putting out information about how people can get involved in boards and commissions. And I mean, I don't mind harassing people I know in the community actively, like hunting down people mm -hmm. who I think would be great for my my board and and, and trying to convince them to uh, to apply. And I know other people on other boards and commissions and other folks who are on my mission do the same, trying trying to get the word out. I do think that all the boards of commissions and maybe these this new style of board or commission would really benefit from a, from a very um, proactive approach to getting <laughs> making people aware of what what the commitment really is, um, and that that even if even if they have never done anything like this before and they have no formal background in something, if they're passionate about it and have some sort of um, you know, perspective that could be valuable. They could take part. Um, so I think that it can be, it can be definitely be both. I really like that suggestion as sort of a, a training ground or something. It feeds the formal boards and commissions in some way. There's a minor leagues sort yeah, of yeah. approach to it. Yeah. It just gives you a taste and, and lets you know sort of what you're getting into. Um, and if you really enjoy it, there's, there's, you know, majors are calling. <laughs> One thing I wonder, and maybe we already have this and I just don't know about it, is a dedicated office or phone line or something of, of citizen's advocate. I, I mean, I know it's a, this is a long way from like Corvallis or Bozeman, but this the borough of Brooklyn has one. So my, where my son lives, if you, you know, have a concern about not just a complaint, but general policy or or something you want to see more arts down in that park where you take your kid you call and there is a person who then refers you to that department and it's real smooth because they've used it a number of times and it's it's called the citizen's advocate and then that kind of slides you into where you want to 
where you want to become involved. Yeah. And I, I think that th that would be a good thing to look into. Yeah, yeah, appreciate that suggestion. Um, we're working on an infrastructure solution and a maintenance solution uh, so that citizens can report problems that sort of infrastructure departments can solve. But I think you're speaking about something much more general. Much, and much more, more general, like what, high level you know, what, what's what going you on with the kids' art classes? Why aren't they doing more clay? You know, and, and it would just guide them to where they want to go with just one person and a friendly so voice. Here's my... I love your input. I love it on land. And I love it here. <laughs> Here's my, for lack of a better word, retort to that, though. And it actually speaks to a messaging thing. And I just looked it up to make sure I had it right. So the borough of Brooklyn has a population of 2.577 million people. I know. That's the city of Lawrence has a population of, what is it? I think we had to fight with the Census Bureau over like a few thousand to get up to 100,000. But I think the U.S. government thinks we're 97,000. <laughs> you know, the reality is, and I didn't know this until I got involved, the reality is I can get Craig or the planning director or the mayor on the phone. You know, our city is that small. So there's your community liaison right there. But there are, so the first issue that speaks to to me is I don't think a lot of people understand that. I don't think a lot of people get, we're small enough, you can get the city manager on the phone. You really and, can. And you're an attorney and you're not easily intimidated. I'm a housewife and I'm easily intimidated. It's even difficult for me to come here. I wouldn't, know, I wouldn't know it, but having known you for a while, I would also, but I would say this, there are a couple places and the city's aware of them where there is sort of that thing you're talking about. And one of them is in planning because there's this perennial issue complaint. And you've heard us talk about it where something's going on in a neighborhood and not everybody got you know, noticed. Not everybody knows about it until they read about it in the paper that's going to go in front of the city commission, you know, and then there's a great big freak out. And nobody wants to freak out. We would rather deal with it, you know, when it's still, you know, in the planning office. They're, you know, we've talked about in land, they're actually trying to create a dedicated staff person there that's out there bird dogging these issues in the neighborhoods before it turns into a great big thing in front of the city commission. They're absolutely, because the planning process, some would say it's so opaque and so confusing. Um, that's just there. I said my piece. I mean, I definitely hear what you're saying about the intimidation factor. And I think a while back I did use the word empower. And I, that really is how I think about it. I talk to people all the time who, who know me from all different walks of life and know that I, I do stuff like this. And I always try, when I'm talking to those people, I always try and demystify it and say, like, you can go on the website right now. There's vacancies. You can apply. And I mean, it's, there, there really isn't, you know, some sort of hurdle. I mean, there are there are some steps to it, but, um, you know, we actively need people in the community to be applying for these things. And I feel like it seems like a, a mountain to climb when it should seem like, I mean, for me, having done volunteer recruitment, I mean, all these folks are volunteers and volunteer recruitment is hard. It's hard to convince people to donate their time to do long procedural meetings generally. So I feel like right now it seems like people see it as like an upward slope. And the reality is it's honestly more of a downward slope. I feel like 
almost everybody I know who has applied to be on on my commission has gotten onto my commission, partially because they're great people, but also the, the line isn't going out the door at the moment. Um, so I feel like that kind of needs to invert a little bit and we need to be courting people more and making people feel like they're they're wanted in these spaces and that they're capable of participating, that it's not that scary. And, the, and that you can be a little bit informal in the meeting. So there's the formal meeting stuff and, and all of that, but uh, but things get, get a little bit casual. I think, I think I get what you're saying, though, now that I think about it, is not everybody wants to try to call the city manager or the mayor or whatever, and it's more inviting if there's somebody that's in the city just labeled the community liaison, the community advocate. That's what you're saying, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. And they'll tell you, well, I'll have so-and-so call you from this arts commission, you know, and, and then you get a call back. It's, it's a, it's putting that intermediate step that makes it like training wheels. It just makes it easier so you learn how to cruise. Yeah, well taken. Okay. Could we go back to the operational just quickly? Uh, yeah. Yes, not that quickly. Um, <laughs> uh, on the tents, we're, our goal is 10. 10, to, or, fewer. 10 or fewer. Or are we saying the operational advisory boards and commissions are part of that count? No. Not part of that count, except for an Okay. In an ideal situation, what what is that? Because the way you guys have been talking about the operational advisory boards and commissions is pulling people in on an as-needed basis. We came up with this thing that we need help on. Is that a task force, like an operational task force as opposed to an operational advisory board? Or are you talking about uh, four advisory Operational advisory boards, finance, HR, operations, transportation, community involvement. Maybe that's five. And then those individuals, then your stat, you're you're appointing individuals to all of those committees. Are you saying we have five departments that we need advice on and we're going to build an advisory board that has somebody that has finance expertise, legal expertise, and going down the list? And that's just a, a board that just sustains itself and they're available when the things come up that has a regular agenda item. Maybe, but I think boiled down to its essence, what Craig is talking about is there's still such a thing as a task force, but they exist on two levels. Right. The, the city commission at will can create a task force if they want to pursue, but that would go through a formal appointment process and whatever. And you know, you have to have four votes on the city commission to make it happen. Um, or three votes, actually, sorry, can't do math. Or there's the operational advisory boards, which is at the city manager level or the department level, where the planning director, city manager can just, as needed, gather up a group of, you know, people with the input or expertise they need, talk to them. If it goes on for one session or three months or something, fine. And then it goes away. Um, that's, I think, at its essence, is what they're talking about. But they, but they, they, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter what you call them. What matters is how they're instituted, right? You're talking. We're talking about something that is completely non-political and essentially informal. That's called together by city manager or a department head or something like that, and they do what they need to do. Or you can form something at the commission level, but that's going to be a 
that's going to be through a formal you know vote and appointment process because what i'm kind of getting here is that we have like we just i, I guess that not we it was me that I, it feels like these commitments fit well within what you're talking about but if we have commitments to this strategic plan that's beyond just pulling people in when it's necessary could be yeah and if we have an ongoing relatively formalized uh board which is convened at the city level i mean is that actually is that actually achieving our goal of reducing if we're if we are just recategorizing and they still exist and meet regularly and require the same amount of staff time is that actually i mean we could we could shift I mean, hypothetically, if we wanted to shift the commitment focused ones over to be, I can't remember what was the term, uh, operational advisory boards, that would reduce our total by three. And that feels like we're heading towards our goal. But really, are we actually accomplishing anything other than, I mean, it is changing the nature of them. But it, is, is that going to, because I feel like the, the impetus for a lot of this work is that it feels like there is some overlap um, and that there is some inefficiency and that there is potentially excess burden on on staff time right so if we're not reducing those by recategorizing them yeah is that is that what you're asking in a roundabout yes all of yeah. that yeah one of the things that happens and i'll let craig talk here because yeah. he probably he probably has a lot to say about that but an important distinction at least that i am grabbing on to is if we look at what staff was telling us in the surveys a couple of their issues were they didn't feel like their involvement in whatever was really making progress they also voiced some concerns and complaints about they felt like their particular border commission was essentially running amok not really don't have a mandate doing whatever they want contrary to whatever you know the code or you know the ordinance says which was really frustrating for them and one of the things that shifts is if this is and we're talking about these you know these staff level task forces that are put together in that situation now you have staff leading the conversation where staff pulls these people in they can direct the meeting they can ask the questions they want to ask and move on where in these formal settings right now we have staff complaining that we're not getting anything done they're wandering outside of their mandate and whatnot and it's frustrating to them and so that change of dynamic i think is attractive to staff where they can be essentially chairing these meetings and leading it in the direction they they need to go to get the information they want I understand all that, but that's not what we actually just said staff would be doing at those. But regardless of that fact, um, my point is just when we're making a recommendation to the commission of here's what we think we should do, we just have to be clear as to what that recommendation is. Yeah. Not that that's not a good idea, not that that's not valid and that will be effective and it'll be better for staff. When we go to the city commission and say, we need to allow staff to create advisory boards that will be doing this or are these task force whatever we want to call it, it has to be very clear as to we're shifting this responsibility for these items to staff and at these operational advisory boards and here's how that's going to work yes. that's more of what i'm trying to get clarity on is how 
So I was like, what is your vision? How do we see that working? Is it a group of people? And that that's to me more than this is more focused on how we're making this recommendation for this thing that's going to be incredibly valuable to the staff to make sure they're more nimble and flexible. I should have just clarified that when I spoke about how you would approach a community engagement group that is specific to community engagement, some of the other commitments might have, might develop different requirements or needs for their particular commitment areas. So just to specify the community engagement commitment, what I spoke to was very specific to that commitment. Yeah, throw something out to Sherry, you mentioned the plastic bag ordinance. I just know that of, I watched it. Kind of came through, kind of came through the sustainability advisory board. The history of that, if you followed it in the papers and stuff, is that the SAB has worked on that multiple times right. in the past. I don't know if that's ever been at the direction of the city commission, <laughs> draft us an ordinance. And if I was to honestly self-reflect about what we've done, I question that we've contributed a lot of value to this whole process because we've got to a point where we made a recommendation to the city commission that they adopt a bag ordinance, we'll call it a, 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 a you know, a, a, a bag ordinance. The city commission now has tasked this legal office with drafting an ordinance for their review. We didn't do that. And we took public comments during this process that's not reflected in what we recommended to the city commission. For example, uh, the comment that we received from the Merck was that they didn't want a bag ban. They would prefer a goal as opposed to a, a formal ban. And their reasoning was that they had trouble uh, with um, supply chain during the pandemic. They had trouble uh, enforcing mask rules. And they said, we don't want to put our staff in the position again of having to enforce a bag ban now. It puts us in an awkward position. We would prefer that it just be a goal that the city is working towards. That's not reflected in what was recommended up to the city commission. City commission is, unless they go back and review that public hearing, they would never know that because that didn't get, get carried up there. So I, I, I sit here and I think, did we, have we really provided value to this process? I don't know. I, 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 I question whether we really did. The city commission could have said to Craig, we want to institute a plastic bag ban. Craig, your city manager, have the staff draft up an ordinance. And then Craig could reach out to people in the community to get some feedback on that process. That might've been a more valuable way and a more productive way to go at that. And then the feedback would have fallen on the ears. Drafting the people drafting the ordinance. Right. Than what has gone on the past few years. So I think you brought up a good example. I think there's other ways to do business. And that might be a reason why these operational advisory boards could be something that we may want to consider recommending as part of our recommendation to city commission. And, and I don't know if it would be good to at our next meeting, talk about where 
you know, some of these could be placed. Right. Anyway, Craig, did you want to well, comment? On just, um, I, I think it is useful. We, we, we intend to try and use some of these, whether you call it something formally or not. I think we already have been. I'm just, I don't know if it's a good example, but I know the Sanctuary Alliance worked with us to develop an ordinance that was really particular. It wasn't a formally appointed committee. It was a group of citizens that came in and interacted with staff. I think also some elected officials, but they interacted with staff and did work to try and bring forward a better product that was more um, aligned with, and, and they had they had a lot of, so I think that that's an example of one that was probably productive that would have been the type that we would use. Um, so we'd like to start using these, I think, regardless. I wish Dr. Nadabandian was here because his whole body of research has been on the policy administration dichotomy and what does what do policy and elected leaders do and what is the work of administration or operations and that our form of government does recognize that fairly specifically with my role and with the city commission's role so i think we already have kind of the guidelines and there there are citizen citizen involvement on my side of the equation and there's citizen involvement on their side of the equation, which is you. So I think that's probably space that you could articulate these things in and not necessarily specifically define what the operational side is, but we will be pledging and you, but you could encourage as a recommendation, this is a better place for some of the ones of the 45 that you've been working with. These probably are better to be on the operational side and we would encourage the city manager to make use of that and formalize that. So I think that probably could be a good recommendation, which we were, are planning to do um, in a way, in a way to increase our community engagement. I think that I think that makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, we're we're just by us not placing the sales tax audit committee anywhere in the parking lot. Is us being clear? That's an operational thing that should fall under what we would perceive as as an operational or the sustainability. That that this piece of of the board's really operation allows staff to do what they're supposed to do as it relates to managing your the, the city of Well, being cognizant, I, I, I go with, I'm good with that as a being cognizant of our time. So I think that we have put a lot of meat on the bones of uh, types of board and commissions. I think we took care of some business there, and I think we may have even have drifted into the operating rules and procedures somewhat, because I think we've had some discussion of how, I think the practical application of how all this works, is that sort of what you were thinking by putting that on this agenda? Yeah, and I don't think we've really done, we've gone too deep on this in our preparations. We just want you to know that we are working to try and prepare something for you, kind of if I ask for permission, some latitude to prepare some options, because we, that's gonna be really detailed. Well, I think, got from us tonight maybe what you needed was i think everybody here sees yeah that's a good idea that yeah. works you so know that that training, works for everybody's benefit training and orientation you know talked about the things of the ones that have been successful make sure that we do a lot more of those things so we'll be building those into some policies procedures regulations um, that these should happen for all boards and commissions. Yeah. So that's what we're going to try and give to you. And then maybe even some operating policies and procedures. So 
um, how you make motions. Um, the, the, the operation of who prepares the agenda, you know, it's not always consistent. Um, how is that process done? And you saw that with both of the, or two or three of the example communities. Yeah. Right. So you're, as part of this rules and procedures, kind of defining what the liaison's responsibility is, right. the board chair's responsibility is. And that's more than a discussion on that, what you think we should be looking at, that it is a good conversation to have tonight, but um, we're going to offer it to you as a, a starting point, certainly up to your discretion. I think you already got that out of us earlier in the meeting. You know, I think Stan spoke to it directly, which is, you know, in many cases it's blurry. Where, where What's the liaison supposed to be doing? What's, yeah. really, what's the committee and the committee chair supposed to be doing? So I was like, we've already, so that's the second issue we've been like, yes, we need to drill down farther on that because, you know, and then the third issue that we talked about earlier tonight is, you know, sort of looking at what works for the planning commission, there's more back and forth interaction with staff, right? And it seems like that's working. It seems like that's building competence and it's building relationship back and forth. And that's desirable. To have a you know to have a successful commission or committee or board, and, and Stan pointed out earlier also just the fact that there are some some of the, the boards that very much have a they, they come to the table with a full agenda that is essentially you know teed up for them and they just have to come and you know uh, you know go through those items, um, which is very different from I mean your experience for me I mean it's it's pretty different from my experience and even though I think obviously I bet I bet the the boards that have that format I bet that their retention and attendance and some of those things are probably a little bit better because honestly it's it's just easier to, to show up to a meeting when somebody just hands you an agenda and says we need to talk through these items and you just go through them whereas for us of a cultural arts commission I mean, last night we had a mural proposal. Those are great. You listen to them talk and then you give them feedback. And then, you know, that's generally how that works. Um, but then after that, we spend the rest of the time talking about mostly things that, that we are doing as far as our programs and the timelines for them. And a lot of it is us discussing our own work and how we want to progress and making sure that we're not flying off schedule. So, which is very different and honestly more, more like, labor intensive for the folks who are on there. We have a bunch of subcommittee meetings that happen in between meetings. Um, and so I, I think while the driven style agenda is, I feel like those in general are probably much more consistent and and easier for, for the folks that are involved. I do think that there's probably going to be a mix. And I, I almost wonder, because I mean, the section types of boards and commissions, like I think that is a pretty big distinction between like the appeals style, more appeal style board, which is receiving um, as opposed to folks who are going about their own business. And maybe with, you know, some of your experiences, Dan, you know, not always knowing specifically where where to go next. Um, when I first started, the chair said, I don't believe in agendas. We never had an agenda for a meeting. <laughs> we would just do it. <laughs> winged it every meeting? She... Didn't they yes. go on forever? Oh, boy. Pardon me? Didn't they go on forever? There, no, we had a time limit. <laughs> <laughs> but you can, yeah, you can relive it yourself. We were going to be talking about it for free. And, and, and Chris, I know you said that you, you listen to every single. Yeah, pretty much everything. So maybe you have very specific 
perspective because I will occasionally watch tune in for, for something, but I don't have, I mean, I spend enough time preparing for my own meetings that I, I really live in, in my own cultural arts commission kind of, kind of bubble. So maybe you can speak a little bit to the, the range of how those meetings really play out. Oh, gosh, I don't know. I just want, uh, uh, <laughs> I, I would agree with Stan. I, I mean, I think that the ones that that have the very objective criteria of what needs to be accomplished in a given day run pretty smoothly and and everybody's pretty pretty engaged and come pretty prepared um the ones that are a little broader like our special alcohol tax we haven't really had an agenda for a while um and and they tend to drag on and, and not be as productive uh, i'll zone out on those for sure but so there, there are things like uh, drafting of ordinances that came up. It would be our recommendation that those be done by our city attorney. So, because they're going to have to, the city attorney is going to either have to modify and deal with that or not. And there are some groups that have, you know, done the drafting work and, you know, with a lot of effort, and a lot of energy and, and qualified to do it, but it's not the same way that our city attorney would see it. And so we will probably make that recommendation. The other thing that came up was city commission direction. So the work's supposed to be with the, with the strategic plan. And we have work plans that come out of that. So if there's a policy work plan, that's stuff that we should do. If there's a new direction that is necessary, there should be a way to come back and check in with the city commission. And I think we want to try and design that process so that there's you know, accountability so, so the group doesn't go off on the wrong direction, but that they can feel the confidence to be able to check in through a certain process that doesn't lose, lose the voice. So. Yeah. Those were some of the things. And is it a working group or not? You know, do we expect you all to go out and do the work to volunteer or to get, or is it really you're still just there to give ideas and direction um, and staff? And you should have staff resources. Anything that you would say, this is what we should be doing next, the staff resources are there. So how does the budget impact it? So I think those are all things that would just, if those are clarified and standardized, then it, it will keep that as in this mystery. Yeah. And, and if I could, um, we didn't have a lot of time, but just looking at some of the cities, I mean, the things that really stand out that we'll be bringing back is just on appointment qualifications, recruitment, yep. vacancies, review of applicants. Who does that? Who's responsible for that? How does that happen? Um, communications, again, pretty much what Craig just said, outlining communication between the advisory boards and this commission and the city manager and staff. And that's why I listed some of these different advisory, these boards that we may not be specifically talking about, because when we draft this, that would apply to all. Is it different the types of boards? Those are the things that, you know, some cities do it the same for all boards, but maybe have different outlines based on whether it's policy or operational. And then just expectations, duties, and norms, having specific rules of procedure, training, duties of the chair, what are the duties of the members, what's the duties of the staff liaison, decorum, and agenda responsibility. So that's that's sort of what's really common in those that are working really well. Decorum and ethics are something that have been raised a lot. Um, and we're looking at in a, a number of ways as a city. Um, yes, <laughs> I say yes. I so think that's, that's all great. You're bringing back three and four of the resolution. 
Central in our next meeting. Yeah, because four is very right. Both of three and four, and again, some of that plays into the types of boards or the structure of the board. Those impact each other. Perfect. How about subcommittees? We didn't really talk about those. Um, if, if some of these are you know are bringing so many different things together, that might be a way to have, have your cake and eat it too. Um, we can define, we, we're going to need to define, if we do have them, we should define them in these roles and procedures. So do they still have coma? You know, it, legally, I think they still have to be subject to coma. Um, so there, that would be something that generates a whole new, you know. We size our subcommittees small enough that they don't trigger that. Yeah, same. And I, I, Tony's not here in, in Missouri. I know that wouldn't wash. So I don't know, COMA might treat it dif differently, but if you're an advisory body of any size that advises a, a body, so your recommendations advise a group that is going to send a group, send something, a recommendation, then that still qualifies. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah because I think, and I don't, I'm not a COMA core expert at all, but I think the issue is going to be, you know, the rule regarding ex parte and whatever you know, where we have, you can't have a quorum right. of, you know, these people getting together and talking about stuff. I think people get confused or, well, well, we just won't have a quorum present, but yet they are present there doing business, which could arguably trigger. So none of our subcommittee meetings are public. Right. And then so, the advice that we've gotten from our staff liaison is that they do not need to be because we've not we don't have a quorum. I'm sure they're right. <laughs> but this is, this is the type of thing that just shouldn't be a mystery. And um, we want to embody and the guidelines and procedures. So if subcommittees are a thing, let's go ahead and let everybody know this is how subcommittees operate. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I, th I think that's a way that we can manage the, the always growing number of commi committees and boards as things come up. Well, we have somebody that that falls within this aspect of the strategic plan that committee is responsible for that they create a subcommittee as a timeline and, and still vets through the appointed body correct yeah you know, that's what i mean is is it does help with the city commission saying i'm paying attention to you know less than 10 right but the work is still being done at a more detailed level perhaps and digested which is where are we? Have we dealt with the agenda items we need to, to the point where we move on to B5? Or is there anything else that you need from us um, to discuss or give direction on tonight? I feel like we've put plenty on your plate and you guys have come forward with really great, I mean, pass forward for sure. Mutually, I think the I'm, I was very nervous that we can get everything done in four weeks or four months. And I'm very. <laughs> that's that's maybe there's not going to be another meeting. But this is great progress. And so excited about it. Appreciate it. Cool. All right. Then we move on to B5 and talk about our next meeting. And the first thing that pops to mind is. It sounds like there's some stuff that you guys want to do. You're going to go and chase down some data regarding the membership of our, you know, our commissions, committees, stuff like that. It sounds like you're going to start fleshing out what these things look like as far as, you know, these 
what the sounds like you're going to go down two tracks. You're going to flesh out what you would like these operational staff level boards committees to look like, but you're also going to be putting some rules, suggesting some rules as far as how our you know formally appointed boards work. As far as what does the chair do? What does staff do? What are our coma rules regarding committees? When do we need a committee? How do we appoint a committee? How do we do it right to make sure that Tony is satisfied with everything that these 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 citizen these volunteers are doing? It sounds like there's definitely some things that you guys are going to be working on. And then is the idea that you're going to get those to a point that you're satisfied that you want to come back and talk with us about it. That's when we meet again. Yes. Um, yeah. So I, I, you know, we, we may get it. So it's kind of like, I call it term sheet. So it's not all the detail or the drafted language, but here is what you can see and maybe here's some decision points. So some multiple choice and you can do that, that, that gives you the ability to kind of guide us. And so it looks right. If we get to a place where we say, yeah, no, we've drafted it. It looks pretty good. So no pride in authorship. If you, if you, you know, take this and have some things, no, rework this, or this doesn't seem right. then certainly that would be good direction too. So are we in a position where we can talk about when our next meeting is right now, or do we need to give you guys some time to do stuff? And then you reach out to us. I don't know how much progress uh, we can, I mean, I think we're fine meeting in you know, the next three weeks. Three weeks, like, can you, like, right. okay, sounds like it's hammered down. Then. <laughs> <laughs> they weren't waiting on us to make that. No, 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 definitely not. <laughs> we don't have anything drafted, but definitely pulled a lot of information. Yeah, and Tony's not here, but she will, she will obviously, you know, have a legal eye on all this stuff to make sure it's compliant. So, you're gonna. Let us know when you want to meet again. Uh, I could run it now. Yeah. If, I mean, if you all are comfortable, but we have people that aren't here. Right. So, so yeah. how about our chairs here? Yeah. Say, um, approximately three weeks. And if you have, um, can we do the same? If you have dates that you're not out of town, and let's, so we're looking at the week, um, sort of that first weekend. I mean, we're looking at March 2nd is three weeks from today. Um, so I would say start to shoot for that if Thursdays work or we can, you know, I can look at room availability and send it to you all around that date and just try to get an idea of what, what everyone's available. Does that work? Sometimes rooms are booked, so it may, it may be Wednesday, it may be the next Monday or Tuesday. Does that yeah. work? I looked at my calendar. I want to mention something, too. So we don't know a ton about it, but there, the oh, yes. extension service is doing, has sent me a card that's training for board and commission members, volunteer board and commission members or community members. And they specifically talk about appointed, political, politically appointed Boards and committees. So I don't know much more about it than I got a card, and it's for that Thursday the second. That's right, because I that's right because I signed up too, and it's four Thursdays in a row. But you should. Uh, we'll, can we send this out that same sure. information out to them? Because I was just surprised. Like, oh, I wonder what they're going to say. Is that during the day? What's the time? It's in the evening. Yeah. Okay. It's uh, five thirty to eight. Yeah. It's hundred dollars to attend. Yeah. Which. Well, as we sit here, I'm totally fine. The first two weeks of March, you know, March 1st through 10th, the 13th through 17th is 
spring break, I think, for kiddos. I can't do March 1st or 2nd. I won't give it. Um, I was occupied. Would you like us to email you? Email me that, then I can just, I'll start marking it out on the calendar and the date. Just like this, we did the day that was had the least amount of commissioners not available. <laughs> okay. I'm just doing taxes for the next two, three months. So, okay. any break from that? <laughs> yeah. Accept it. Yeah. accept that. Evenings are best for everyone. That was that sort of the initial polling that there wasn't a lot of interest in doing a meeting during the day. Yeah, evenings are best. I'm fine with the day. Um, Tuesday evenings are the only nights I can't come, and I can't stay there. During the day, city commission meetings. During the days on Fridays are my least. I mean, I'm pretty available if there's a daytime. Okay. Yeah. But if you're out of office sign. Okay. What's the out of office sign <laughs> on Friday? I've done that. Okay, well, I'll just put it in around three weeks and we'll, we'll get the date out to everybody once we have it. Okay. All right. Well, unless there is new business to come before us, around see none, then I would entertain a motion. Make a motion to adjourn. All right, spin. Second. And seconded. All right. <laughs> Please signify your 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 vote by getting <laughs> out to the parking lot. I think that was unanimous. Yeah, it sounds unanimous to me. Thank you all. It Thank you a little hot here, didn't it? Yeah, it, it, it heated up. It always does. <laughs>